everyone, and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube show based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I'm Michael Morey. And we're here today to talk about Incredibles 2. They've dropped the the, um, which is the biggest change since, <laughs> since the last one. Um, and Incredibles 2 is the sequel to Incredibles, or The Incredibles, I guess, which came out 14 years ago, right? Yep. Um, it's a Pixar, Disney Pixar thing about a superheroic family and their exploits as superheroes. That's kind of it, like, it, which is fine. It's a kid movie. And we saw it and it's about, it's, it takes place actually immediately after Incredibles 1. Mm-hmm. It's literally the end of the Incredibles 1 is the beginning of the Incredibles 2. And, uh, superheroes are still illegal and they have this fight with the Underminer, who's the villain that shows up at the end of the first movie. Um, and they cause a lot of collateral damage. They do end up essentially saving City Hall, but they ruin an overpass and a bunch of property between then. Um, so then they're approached by uh, a guy named Winston Dever. Windever. <laughs> um, and... Evil sister. Evelyn Endeavor. Evelyn Endeavor. Evil Endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, yeah. man. Mm, cons. Yeah. Uh, and they are in, they want to be in the business of superheroes. They are superhero. They, they come from a family that grew up uh, admiring superheroes. And because superheroes were illegal, their father was killed um, as a result. And so Winston wants to reinstate, he wants to basically reverse the superhero ban and make superheroes legal again. Evelyn is also on board with that, but ultimately, spoilers, is the villain of the piece and is bitter towards superheroes because she thinks that they failed her family. Right? Is that yeah. her motivation? Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into that. Um, <laughs> and so she becomes uh, this villain called the Screenslaver and... Uh, basically manufactures a reason to keep superheroes illegal and the Incredibles fight against that. Meanwhile, there's a B story. That's all the A story. There's a B story in that uh, Winston and his sister have chosen Elastigirl, the the mom played by Holly Hunter, to be the face of superheroism. Um, and Mr. Incredible has to be a stay-at-home dad. And so that's kind of the B story is him just dealing with all the domestic stuff. The A story is Elastigirl kind of on her adventures being a superhero and uncovering this sort of conspiracy revolving around the screenslaver. It's a pretty simple premise, which once again, I think is good mm-hmm. uh, because kid movies need simple premises. Not that kids are stupid, um, but I think the the best kids movies have, you know, like Lion King, Hamlet with lions, right? Like, right? like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Toy Story. What happens when the toys, when we're not looking at them? What if they were alive? Mm -hmm. That's, that's the plot of those movies, right? Um, so I guess we'll start off by talking about, Mike, are you a fan of The Incredibles in general? Uh, the first one's okay. I don't know. I didn't really see, like, the crazy appeal about it that some people have Mm -hmm. and the need for a sequel that some people desired. It was... Fine. I remember the villain being somewhat decent. I thought his motivation was cool, and right. I remember like something about the theme sticking in terms of when everyone's special, no one is. Oh, like right. that idea, I thought was interesting. Um, 
I remember literally nothing else about it. <laughs> so I'm probably not the person to talk to about loving The Incredibles. Uh, same. I have seen the movie maybe two and a half times, maybe one and a half times. Uh, it's fine. It's it, I like it. it. Like going back, like, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like the voice work. I think for the time, the animation was outstanding. Yes. I remember the water effects in particular. Water and lava were big mm-hmm. in that movie because it took place on a volcanic island and i remember that re- that really sticking with me of it looking great i agree the villain has a really cool arc mm-hmm. um especially the way they kind of make him the villain at the beginning of the movie we see mr incredible interact with this kid and it's one of those almost like don't meet your hero moments where he's kind of crappy to the kid but not because he's bad guy because the kid's kind of in the way and he's just kind of looking out for the kid and the kid misinterprets that which i think can happen a lot when you interact with celebrities so i think that was actually a good angle too but then it the kid was so embittered by it basically had this plot that to make everyone super so that no one was super he felt that superheroes being superior um to humanity was ultimately a detriment to society and that's a cool motivation for a villain yeah um as far as getting a sequel goes it makes sense right i mean mean, there was it left a hook for it yeah i'm not sure that the sequel needed to be like a direct five seconds after the last one yeah (laughs) yeah especially when there's like 13 or 14 years that go by i feel like that was kind of a prime reason to go and jump forward in the future a little bit it absolutely is if only for this episode is going to be a little scatterbrained. Yeah. Uh, just because the, the movie is question mark. Yeah. Um, and, but also we're recording this like five days after we've seen it. Right. And, and I barely remember anything <laughs> about it. Yeah. The spoilers, but um, this movie wasn't very memorable. Yeah. Um, the So if only for the voice acting, because Craig T. Nelson has an old man voice now. Yes. But it's supposed to be literally right after we saw him last. And right. it's like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. Um, Holly Hunter, a little bit too. Yes. Well, I don't, her drawl has gotten drawlier. <laughs> yeah, it or is. Or it just me? I don't know. It was, no, it's... It was kind of getting aggravating, honestly. Um, I... Yeah. So this movie was fine enough i guess yeah it's not bad there's so i think the for it is there's actually a lot of stuff i really like in this movie Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff i really don't um there's there's really really high highs and really low low lows yeah and the end result is a huge mixed bag right a huge mixed bag yeah uh so like, what are the highs? The action set pieces? The action set pieces are really good, except the climactic one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first one is really good. The The fight with the Underminer right. is pretty good. It evolves really nicely. Like, there's mm. a lot of moving parts to it that I think um, Brad Bird really keeps moving yes. really nicely. And, like, the way the characters kind of zoom in and out of interacting with the 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 underminer and his um, vehicle that's causing all this destruction is really interesting. Yeah. Um, that the, the angle of the superhero family is good. Yes. Especially since they do have an infant. Um, and so it's like, you know, we all want to chip into this 
but also we have to babysit at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's a really cool angle for that one. There's a set piece maybe midway, a little before midway through the movie, um, where Elastigirl has to chase down a a magnetic train, Mm -hmm. and it is dope. Yeah, that's a great scene. It's so good. Um, That that in particular is the standout sequence yes. in the movie for me. And um, the movie kind of peaks there. Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. Uh, the villain is really good until she's not. Yeah. I really liked the villain mm-hmm. until I didn't. See, I, I wouldn't even go that far. I didn't like her that much. Because I don't feel like her motivation made much sense. I don't feel like her plan makes a lot of sense. So her plan is to help legitimize superheroes to a point where they kind of fail so publicly that they get banned forever mm-hmm. the thing is is that they were already banned right <laughs> so what <laughs> right why, why even help them i don't sure okay. <laughs> so that's the part i'm talking about i yeah. stopped liking right i liked the screen slaver yeah just yeah. like straight up like mm-hmm. as just a super villain they had to deal with okay yeah yeah that's so fine. I liked that. Right. Uh, so screenslavers thing is that uh, they would take over screens uh, across the city and there was this kind of strobe effect mm-hmm. that hypnotized people and made them make decisions under the control. It, it hypnotized and them and, and the, gave the audience seizures. Yeah, <laughs> that's a thing that's been happening. Um, and but in the movie yeah. <laughs> narratively speaking it hypnotizes people and then the screen slaver can issue commands and they can basically do the screen slaver's bidding right it's essentially the edward nigma plot from uh <laughs> batman, batman forever, forever. <laughs> but i still liked it yeah, i think yeah. it makes sense in a kid movie especially and it's not stupid the way it is in yeah. batman forever <laughs> uh, um it actually makes a lot of sense um something we'll talk about in our next episode uh that uh, uh, so the next episode we're doing is jurassic world 2 uh electric dino boo (laughs) (laughs) um and uh one of the things i hate is the sort of using the thing to be anti the thing Uh. so like a black mirror like the whole like black mirror technology is the bad the badness yeah it's on Netflix. Uh, yeah, like, you, like, like you the can't premier digital content streaming. Platform. Yeah, you can't use the thing. Yeah, to take down the thing that seems really disingenuous mm-hmm. with me. So the first Jurassic World is this. This these blockbusters, they're all samey and just the same bits chopped yeah, up and remixed. People just want like crap and all yeah. that stuff. So. But it's a terrible movie. Right. So it's like okay, we use the terrible movie to tell people that they love terrible movies. It's very it's, condescending. It's movie. incredibly condescending. And Black Mirror is the same way. Mm. Um, so I like that being the villain <laughs> in something because that like that. That stuff does not stand with me. Yeah. Um, and so Screenslaver has that like borderline like anonymous vibe to mm. to them. And so I liked that. Um, I liked the way they handled the marriage in it. Being married now. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked sort of the interactions at the beginning of the movie of... Just them like deciding what to do when, yeah. like when when Winston 
um, approaches them like, hey, we want to, you know, we want you, we want Elastigirl, Mr. Incredible, and Frozone to sort of be the face of superheroism. Mm -hmm. But we crunch the numbers. Elastigirl causes the least amount of damage. So in the public eye, she's the one we need to go with. And then having to go home and have that conversation of like, okay, well, what, you know, how's this going to affect our day-to-day life? How's this going to affect the kids? How's this going to affect like, you know, okay, well, you know, uh, Mr. Incredible was an insurance agent before um, they became the Incredibles again. And so maybe it's his turn to take a back seat. And now Elastigirl can go and be the breadwinner and he can take care of the. And just like that logistical stuff. I know it's really dry, mm-hmm. in, especially for like a kid thing. And we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Um, but as a, as, as a grown married man, I thought that was really well written. Mm-hmm. Um, like it felt like a married couple interacting. It felt like conversations I've had with my partner. Right. Yeah. And as um, someone who's not, I thought it was interesting, but it was kind of like, okay, it's getting a little too long. It does go on a little too long. Um, yeah, as a, as a fan of movies, it, yeah. it does go on for a, a while. But as a married person, it was it was a really it was good very adult and mature. Yeah, it was a really mature portrayal of or loving relationship. Uh, yeah, like they care about each other right. and like. That just make sacrifices. Yeah, a lot of marriage is just talking about how to divvy up yeah. responsibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so to sort of see that writ large was really nice because um, usually it's, you know, and, and not that this d- didn't come in the movie, but usually it's like immediate resentment. Mm-hmm. But like Mr. Incredible doesn't like that he's kind of taking the back seat, but right. he's also willing to do what he has to do. Yes. And I really liked that because... That's a lot of marriage, too, of just, like, sacrificing. Of just, mm-hmm. like, I don't like this. I don't really not want to be the breadwinner. Or in his case, he wanted it for the fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I don't really like this. But if that's what we got to do, it's what we got to do, you know. And and they were in a financially hard spot. Right. Um, it was interesting to have, like, not billionaire superheroes. Mm. Um, you know, sort of working class, like, I, we're just trying to get by. Granted, they're handed everything on a silver platter. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, to have that that internal struggle of like, well, this makes financial sense for us. Like, we don't have anything else right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I don't know. I really, really, really appreciated that. I did. I like that too. The problem that came with it though to me was that it split up the family, especially the mom from the family, mm-hmm. for such a huge chunk of the yes. movie. And the main family or the rest of the family besides the mom doesn't really get to do anything until the last half hour of the movie. Yeah, so... Like, you don't see the Incredibles be a family and do Incredibles stuff until right. the end. Right, Um So, and the other thing I liked about that B story is he tries. Like, he's not just a moron. Like, he's not just, like, sitcom dad, mm-hmm. you know? Like... He really is making an effort to help the kids out and kind of keep everything under control. And, you know, he does fail, but it's not portrayed as like, it's because he's a dumb man. It's just like, he's not used to this. Like, it's it's almost like he's beginning a new job, too, and he doesn't really know the ropes yet. And so he's just got to figure it out. And like, he, you know, he doesn't. He's trying to do right by his kids, and his kids don't necessarily see that at first, but eventually they do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, the kids are kind of annoying, but kids are kind of annoying. Like, you know, and I don't know. I thought the family dynamic in this movie was a lot better than it was in the first one, from what I remember. I want to say yes. However, I do think that the the kids' storyline is really underdeveloped. Sure. Like, Violet, she has something of an arc revolving around the boy that she likes, Mm -hmm. and then Dash... 
has got basically nothing. Yeah, he's like, bad at math. Right, which is not like an arc. <laughs> right. But it's, it's a problem. Right. But it's not an arc for a character to overcome. Right. Jack-Jack has an arc, which is yes. weird because he's a baby. Right. Um, And so I liked all that. That's all mm-hmm. the stuff I liked. However, all of that stuff also came with some of the lows from yes. the movie for me in that it's way too long. Yeah. This movie's two hours and six minutes. This movie... Plus it comes with a short. Plus there's there was 20 minutes of previews when we yeah. saw it. Which is not the movie's it's fault. The movie's that fault. varies from theater to theater. Mm-hmm. So that that is a problem with the theater that we did choose to go to. It just... It's so long, man. Like, it's... Yeah. So it's it's what? It's, it's 20 minutes of trailers. Maybe a 10 minute short. Yeah. Two hours and six minutes. We got out of the... We went at seven and we got out at 9.30. Yeah. The hell? I know. (laughs) It was just too long, man. (laughs) Like, right around the time that the real villain got revealed in the movie, Mm -hmm. I just thought, oh no, that means we have another 30 minutes to go. Yeah. Like, from here, even. Yeah, we got to a part... I don't remember what part it was. And I looked at it and I was like, my God, there's an hour left. Like, (laughs) (laughs) holy crap. Yeah. It's so long. It's so long. No, and like, there's so much family stuff in it. Yeah. That I don't, if your kid sat through it, you give me some parenting tips when (laughs) when I announce that we're having a child on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make presumptions about how kids enjoy it, whether or not they enjoy it. But to me, if I was a kid, I feel like that would have been boring as hell. Yeah, man. Like, I've seen a ton of people post about how their kids loved this movie. Yeah. And like... I don't know if they're lying or if there's <laughs> their just kids are scholars. Yeah, or, or like if their kids have really good taste. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if, if they love nuanced if, family drama. Yeah, if there's just a, a generation of Frasers out there, I have no <laughs> idea. Um, but I've seen like upwards of five people who have mm-hmm. kids say that they took their pretty young kids, like kids as young as four or five. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, man, they loved it. And I loved it, too, and it was great. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was an adult, and I was kind of bored. I was an adult, and I felt bad for the kids. Yeah. And the kids in our audience were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, they, there wasn't a lot of kid interruption. Mm-hmm. And, like, when the last Pixar movie came out... No, Coco. Coco was the last one. So the one before that, Cars 3, mm-hmm. th- that was one of the most buckwild screenings I've ever been really? to. Yeah, it was nuts, man. And that was way better than, not way better, but it was, it was, I liked it more than I liked Incredibles 2. And it was a lot shorter from what I remember. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, kids, and as far as I know, Cars is pretty big with kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that screening was. Well, was that because they were like pumped up by watching it? Like while watching it? I don't think or, so. Or is it, and like was Incredibles 2 just a result of people being bored and the kids getting disengaged i don't it could be but in my experience when a kid disengages with a movie they're obnoxious that's true i don't i didn't feel like there was like a lot of pops to our theater either like like at particular moments that were supposed to be like laugh lines i felt like they kind of fell flat yeah i kind of felt like most action moments didn't really hit with people either it just kind of felt like it was a very neutral audience i heard some claps a little bit at the end yeah yeah yeah. i mean you, you get that for almost any movie like 
Jurassic World 2 is probably going to have claps at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's a barometer of how much people were enjoying it. I just felt like he was playing really weird with me. And maybe I was just perceiving See, that in the it audience could be, as well. There was a mom. There's a family right next to me. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a sold out screening oh, yeah. uh, that we went to. There was a mom next to me and she was having a really good time with it. So she was laughing at a bunch of the jokes. Oh, and really? okay. she was really into the, uh, the action sequences. Mm. Um that whole family kind of was like the kid was like commenting on stuff, but okay. not in an annoying way. And like, she was really little too. <laughs> um, she was, she had to have been like three or four. Mm-hmm. Like she was, she was able to sit in a lap. Yeah. And she was into it. That whole, like I said, that whole family engaged with it. I don't know if I missed something or what. <laughs> um, what, what are the things you liked about it? Uh, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. It, the, it did a good job of mixing up the superheroes and their powers together. I thought it was like the really creative displays of mm, powers mm-hmm. used throughout. Because especially they go and bring on some other superheroes. I like that as well. through the yeah. movie, which I thought they were pretty effective, not in terms of development, but they were interesting and they mm-hmm. kind of like led to some cool situations happening. Um, you know, that led to the action scenes, I think, generally being good up until the last one, which was kind of boring and just felt perfunctory at that yeah. point. Um, I did like, you know, in general, the character interactions I thought were good. Um, that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah. So, some of the other lows are just like, like you said, like Dash doesn't really have anything yeah. to do in the movie mm-hmm. and everyone else kind of does. Um, even Violet, like it's, it's a teenage arc, but it's right. an arc. Where, yeah. But, but it's not really anything that she has to overcome per se. It's kind of like, well, the boy that she likes has a problem ish. Yeah. She blames being a superhero on that, I guess. Yeah. But. She, she goes through a period of like questioning, you know, there's, it's, it's not handled super well, no. but I think the intent <laughs> is that she is struggling with being a, superhero because she may not end up with a normal life right um which is good on paper but really underutilized underexplored mm-hmm. in the movie um it's so long yeah it's so long well i don't i don't feel like the villain's plot right. ultimate purpose or whatever you want to call it it's something that's very relatable. Like, I feel like there's a screen slaver monologue that happens kind of midway through the movie. Where mm-hmm. He's talking about how, like, you, like, superheroes make you rely on them instead of, like, you having to go and kind of do things yourself. Which, okay, but is that, how is that relatable to, like, our world today? Yeah, I mean, is it we, talking about, like, we rely too much on people who are, like, awesome like our leaders or what superstars or i don't really know like what the analogy is well yeah yeah and it's not like the other thing that breaks down about that is like yeah i'd much rather have someone who has powers fighting someone who has powers right than me yeah (laughs) you know like if the threat is gigantic drill Mm -hmm. i am ill-equipped to deal with that but if there are people in the world who have super strength and stretchy powers, yeah. they're the ones who should probably be dealing with that. Yeah. It's the same with like the police or firefighters or the ambulance people. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to take people to the to the hospital who are dying. I yeah. want an ambulance to do that because there's a greater 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 risk that they will live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 
Um, so yeah, I don't really understand like what was kind of being driven towards with that. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of gets dropped anyway. And like I said, it doesn't make a lot of sense because the villain already achieved that without having to do anything right. anyway. Well, all she had to do was kill her brother. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense why she blames superheroes anyway when it's her dad's own fault that he relied on superheroes. I mean, I guess villains can act in weird ways and they, you know, warp things. And right, yeah. Their agendas, well, I mean, yeah, and, and that's the thing, right, is it, it is consistent with the villain from the first true the first piece is like... Misinterpreting. Maybe. Misinterpreting yeah, what but, had happened. But that was better. That one... Yeah. And the main family in that, you know, Mr. Incredible in particular, was more responsible for the creation of that. Mm-hmm. This, it was disconnected other superheroes yeah it had this like it had this vibe that it almost wanted it wanted to go wider with its mythos and like it brushed there was a really really quick moment when when winston is giving the backstory of like their father where it sort of brushed up against watchman territory Mm -hmm. but it never fully committed like i was like oh interesting we'll see like the history of superhero because it's essentially watchman Right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the superhero ban is not unique to The Incredibles. It's Watchmen is the one who is the story that really put that on the map. Yeah. And so to kind of brush up against that and, like, do, you know, um, <laughs> I'm thinking of the Simpsons bit where they do Watchmen babies. <laughs> um, but they, they do, like, Watchmen for kids. I think that's fine. I think that's good. But it's not, it doesn't commit enough to being similar to Watchmen mm-hmm. um, to really get that across. Yes. Also, they they telegraph it too much that the, that the sister is the bad one. Yeah. Like, she immediately goes into that rant about, like, well, maybe if our father had done this. Yeah. And then, like, shut up. Don't talk about that. It was like, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I already suspected that the evil businessman or and or his sister was going to be the bad guy. But right. then he just totally, like, put all the cards out right there. Yeah. And I actually kind of liked that the businessman was, like, not the villain. I agree. I did like that. I found that refreshing. Yeah. Um, but then, it, I mean, you just went and re- immediately revealed, basically, that the sister was also probably suspicious right so you know not like you always have to have a surprise or a twist or whatever but like man like maybe you kind of casually drop some tidbits just a little <laughs> yeah. bit so like right at the beginning and then like the next real significant scene that she's in then she's the bad guy mm-hmm. like because she wasn't really around much before then yeah also like the other part of the sl- screen slavers rant involves like kind of people being addicted to television mm-hmm. almost or something like that but then that doesn't really go anywhere either. Like right. I feel like that was kind of like an interesting theme where it's like we're all kind of enslaved by our like technology right. and hero worship or and we need and they like entertain us almost mm-hmm. and like like superhero movies themselves are kind of designed to entertain us and distract us from like what really is happening. Right. But the movie kind of drops that but then doesn't talk about it anymore and also they don't like you can't have that message in a year where black panther come out right yeah you know like that that was a message movie yeah you know yeah and and it did that effectively yeah i mean and that's not the first one obviously but like winter soldier is kind of a message movie Mm -hmm. and even the first captain america is kind of a message movie Mm -hmm. you know like the that's what i'm saying the using the thing to critique the thing yeah I don't like um, because rarely, rarely does it work. And I think in this particular case, it's like well, Black Panther was just like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X stuff. Mm-hmm. But also there was spandex, you right. know, like it's it was about something. Mm-hmm. And even I mean, I know it gets a lot of crap, but even like Batman v Superman or like 
Man of Steel was like, it was about 9-11. Yeah. You know, like, and Dark Knight. You know, the the they are used to get people to think about social things. Like, things yeah. that are currently happening in society. Whether people do that or not is on them. Yeah. You know, it's it's ultimately the decision of the viewer to engage with what they're watching or not. It's not the fault of the people creating the stuff. Like, it's those people just had an idea and wanted to make it and hoped it resonated with people. And I don't think that's a bad thing to have in society. No. Um, it's, you know, I think the, I don't know. I think movies, I, I think when, when stuff goes that direction of like, we're all slaves to our stuff is it's like, yeah, we're probably a little more into it than we should be, but mm. also w- what are we regurgitating back out of it? You know, is it, just in one ear and out the other is it garbage in garbage out or is it like if is it is it not even necessarily edifying but is it starting conversations is it is it a launch pad for you right and that's on the user entirely well i mean people for thousands tens of thousands of years have been using stories to go and analogize yeah you know real world problems or real life problems and that's one of the ways that we grow and develop is through that method of storytelling. We tackle things through allegory. And, um, you know, it's a problem when, like, I think we're viewing everything through, like, the lens of a superhero world. You right. know, but that's, you're right. That's on us. Um, and that should be, like, I think the point, which is what I'm getting at, which is that, okay, the villain should make that point. Yeah. But then the movie should rebut it and be like, no, like you actually have a very malformed view of things. Right. Here's like the more wholesome, complete, full picture of like how you interpret fiction you right. know, and themes. But the movie doesn't really do anything with that. Yeah. Um, well, and it's because screen slaver is not the villain of the piece. Right. It ends up being just evil, a, endeavor. evil endeavor. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it It's. It's a good movie until the third act, I think. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty it's like pretty good and then the third act is like generic. Yeah, kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> kind of bad. And so the the end result is like uh... Yeah, it just gets really rushed. Like once yeah. it reveals that she's the bad guy, it just kind of forms together a little too perfectly mm-hmm. and then like the kids conveniently escape and like you think that like the parents get enslaved or whatever, mm-hmm. um, brainwashed. But then, like, they knock off, like, the goggles within five seconds. Yeah. And, like, all threat from the movie dissipates yep. then. Yeah. Because, like, the big threat was, oh, man, they're going to have to, like, fight each other now. You know? Yeah. Um, like, that's that's really big. Like, the family unit has to come in conflict. And, like, okay, goggles off. Okay, threat over. And then, like, they perfunctorily go and beat the bad guy within, yeah. like, ten minutes. Like, she has no powers. She's got really nothing. Yeah. So, it, it was kind of boring. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the the action sequences aren't good. No. The the action sequences in that section of the movie aren't good. Mm. Especially given the 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 magnet train sequence. It's so good. Like Mm. it's really cool and they do a lot of great stuff with Elastigirl's powers and um like to the point where it was like, should Brad Bird make a Fantastic Four movie? (laughs) Like (laughs) Um and uh yeah, the 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 stuff on the boat, like it. The movie wants to be a superhero movie, yeah, but it also wants to be a James Bond movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I think that's where it gets confused. I mean, the first one kind of had that problem too ish in terms of the bad guy having a secret like 
volcanic island layer and there's yeah. a little of the superhero or not sorry secret agent intrigue there mm-hmm. um but this one goes even further with the james bondiness yeah well in the score which is great yeah also one of the highs of the movie michael mm-hmm. giacchino's score is really really good his score for the first one's great too is very james bondy especially in that third act like it's it's a little on the nose yeah. it's good the music's good but it's like all right i get it uh-huh. um and you know the whole like showdown on a boat is very james bond true very james bond and the action sequences that work for james bond don't work for superhero stuff yeah so trying to stop a boat from crashing into a city not that exciting for a superhero movie Mm -hmm. like might be okay for a james bond movie yeah you know um but yeah watching frozone try to like hit the rudder or whatever yeah okay this is kind of boring guys (laughs) yep (laughs) like yeah uh, <laughs> it's like it's alternatively alternately rushed and also feels too long that yeah. section um in general the whole movie feels too long but that section in particular it was like only 25 minutes i feel like but it just took forever to yeah. get through um so i don't know i mean we come down to the fact that I, it's okay yeah it's fine yeah it's fine. I mean, but, it looks good, obviously. Yeah, it sounded great. Our theater yeah, sounded our, really good. It did sound pretty good. Um, um, the sound the sound design was really good. The The animation's good. Um, the projector was really bright. It pops. It's yeah. got a really... That, that 60s sort of art deco thing is something that I kind of like anyway. Yes. So I was already sold on that aesthetic. And, you know, the facial expressions they get from the CGI is like outstanding as mm-hmm. always you know that the although there was one thing that kind of annoyed me and mm-hmm. i don't know if it was just a matter of our theater or what but i kind of felt like the voices were either coming out faster or slower than the mouths were flapping and oh, it kind of bothered that. me for a long period throughout oh i didn't notice that I don't at all know, maybe it was just a matter of the timing of the projector or something like it that. could be sometimes that happens yeah. there's a theater in town that has a cry room and the speakers in the cry room fire about a half second after the speakers in the theater and it drives oh, me really bananas yeah yeah <laughs> um so i think that's all we have to say about the incredibles what did you think about the short um okay it was maybe i'm stupid but did you know that was supposed to be a woman like yeah okay because i didn't i thought that was a dude okay and so i thought like at the end that you find out that it's like the brother i thought i thought it was the brother but it's actually oh. her son that they okay were, so they, the short is yeah. called bow and it's about this uh this this asian couple who the 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 wife makes dumplings and she eats one and then the dumpling is a baby uh that sprouts like a body right and Basically becomes her surrogate son. Becomes her son and then needs glasses and gets its height measured against the door and wears clothes (laughs) and grows facial hair (laughs) and gets engaged to a white lady, um, which (laughs) enrages the mom (laughs) and she kicks the, the, the dumpling son out. No, the dumpling son wants to leave with his fiance, right. and then she eats her baby. Yes, fade to black. 
mm-hmm. fade back out from black and we learn that she was having a stress dream about this dumpling because her son kind of looks like a dumpling. Right. That's it. And grew up and, and apparently went through the same situation. Right. Right. Um, Not a bad premise. No, actually, I think it's a pretty good premise. Yes. Um, I think that the, the really whole, poorly executed. Yes. Like empty nest problems premise is decent. Yeah. You know, like how do you deal with your child growing up and then like you you want to like hold them back to the point where you eat them. Hey, right. Well, right. yeah, and that's it, no, but that's, yeah. like, that's like actually a mythological thing, which is like mm-hmm. like gods eating their children and stuff like right. that. Right. There's like, that Goya painting. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, not a bad premise. It played real weird. Yeah. Yeah. The once again, the mom who was really engaged with yeah. everything next to me, she was like, "What is this?" Yeah. <laughs> really loud, and I was like, "You right." Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Well, okay. In general, I don't. I feel like. So I haven't figured out that there's shorts before these movies every single time. I forget every time. I, I, I feel like people generally are like, what am I watching right now? Mm-hmm. Every single one of these times, even though there's been 20 Pixar movies at this point. Right. So that's a problem. Well, and also the last one had the short pulled from it after a couple weeks because it was the Frozen short that everyone hated. Because mm-hmm. it was Coco. Yeah, right. Coco was the last one and they had that fro- that 20 minute Frozen short and everyone was like, what the F? Yeah. No, it's really bad. And so they ended up pulling it after two weeks. Mm-hmm. So the last Pixar movie didn't have a short in it for a lot of the people who saw it, including me. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I saw I saw Coco like a month after it came out. And uh, yeah, so I, I totally forgot. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's this thing. And I had heard people talking about how it takes like a weird turn. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, is the weird turn that that dumpling is her child? Because mm-hmm. that's pretty damn weird. <laughs> um, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. But I was also, like I said, apparently very confused <laughs> about what the main character even was. So did you think that? it was a gay couple? or? Well, I just thought, I just thought that like maybe it was like the grandpa and like a grandson and then the grandson makes like a dumpling and then like it turned out that it was like the brother that he couldn't say goodbye to or something like that god i also thought possibly that it could be some sort of gay relationship at first but (laughs) i was like i probably didn't do this in a mainstream movie (laughs) so i have no idea what was happening for part of it um but beyond just that it just progressed very strangely yeah um it, it was paced weirdly. I wonder if it's because it was Asian. I don't know. If it was like... Because the the, 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 the the person who wrote and directed it is Asian. Like, right. They yeah, wrote and directed yeah, it based yeah, yeah. on their culture. I think it's a woman. Right. Um, yeah, I think Chinese she, uh, woman. Yeah, yeah, I think she... So it would make sense that it would have more of an Eastern mm-hmm. feel to it. But it didn't even have that. Unless I'm not used to Chinese storytelling. I'm more... I've seen more Japanese stuff than I have Chinese stuff. Right. Um, so I don't know if there's a cultural thing there. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely the message or I think the themes of it are yeah. definitely cultural. Yeah, I don't know sure. if in terms of how their execution, it feels like they were probably just Western, but poorly done. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I got out of it too. Yeah. It just didn't play right. And the reveal of information was kind of off. I felt like yeah. in terms of, oh yeah, it was actually her son that she was like thinking about. It didn't land correctly. And yeah. I can tell by the audience. It was like, okay. about. <laughs> That was something. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So not one of their better shorts. Nope. By any means. Um, so final thoughts. 
It was. Uh, See it if you want to. Right. You'll probably like it. Yeah, like I mean, if you're a fan of The Incredibles, you'll probably find a lot to like about it. Right. Because even as a not uh, a hater, but like as a, someone who's kind of indifferent to The Incredibles, I found yeah. a lot to like about it. I also just found a lot to not like about it. Yeah. Um. I kind of feel like it was disappointing from the standpoint of waited 14 years or whatever for this. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, highest grossing opening weekend for an animated movie ever. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess there's been pent up demand, but I don't know. I feel like after 14 years, I could have thought of a better story. Yeah. Not, I, uh, okay. I don't, I hate, okay. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I don't, I yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like Brad Bird has been hit and miss lately. Yeah. I feel like, well, I don't know. What Ghost last... Protocol? Was that the last? The last that was good. good. Yeah, it was good. I feel like um, Rogue Nation was better, though. Yeah, so... that was Christopher McQuarrie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I like that one a little bit more, I, too. I like that a lot more. Um, but that was decent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd say Ratatouille was probably the last really good Brad Bird movie. In my brain, I don't like Ratatouille, but mm-hmm. I need to see it again. I remember liking that more than most Pixar movies, because... So this is going to be controversial. I actually don't think Pixar is that great. Right. <laughs> like, I don't. I'd say, like, my favorite Pixar movies are Toy Story 1, 3, and Wally and Inside Out. Those okay. Probably... Did you see Coco? No, I haven't seen Coco yet, so I'm willing to go and amend that statement. Okay. Yeah, Coco is my favorite. Okay. That's so good. That's so good. That might be a cultural thing, though. True. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Uh, it really... Coco really reminded me of my uncle who was a mariachi, uh-huh. my, my Tio Pancho. And so I think that may have had a lot to do with it. I also uh-huh. saw it sitting right next to my mom, who's super Mexican. Yeah. And so there was, that was a lot. Um, mm. That was a lot. We also saw it as my Tia Nelly was passing away, which that movie has a lot to do with. And right. my Tia looked kind of a lot like the character model for Coco. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of like emotional hooks in that movie yeah. for me. Um, so I think that, but I think it is really good. It's, it's hands down their best in a long time since mm-hmm. maybe up. I wasn't a huge Inside Out fan. See, I, Inside Out was one of those things that actually really hit me. It came at the, like the time of my life where I just started my first job and mm-hmm. I was like freaking miserable. Oh, and mm-hmm. so it, it hit the feels a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. Um, cause also the main character's struggles dealing with like, well, life wasn't really going how you expect. Almost. Right. Um, but I see. I don't even like up that much. I think. I mean, you know, the common opinions that the right. first fifteen minutes are awesome, and the right. rest of it is I don't know. Kind of your mileage may vary. So I kind of felt like that about up also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. So this, I mean, it gave people the sequel that they wanted. I guess yeah. more than like you know, Cars Two or whatever. Or, I mean, did we really need like another Monsters Inc? I don't know. Um, or another Finding Nemo. I forgot that movie existed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it didn't like really progress the characters much further than the first one. Do you know why? Mm. It's not too much farther yeah. after the first one. Exactly. Like, can we get like a moratorium on like movies that take place like literally five seconds after the last one? Yeah. <laughs> last Jedi. Um, Batman v Superman. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess you're right. Um, like the there's not enough time to like let things breathe or yeah. develop, guys. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of it. Yeah, it's a, uh, <laughs> and there's not really like a meta thing to talk about around this movie. It just kind of came out. Like, yeah. I 
the one meta thing that I didn't know is the, how much demand there was for an Incredibles sequel. I thought, you know, because Finding, Finding Nemo has gotten a sequel, and I knew people love that movie. Right. And so that makes sense to me for people to freak out about. The Incredibles kind of came out of nowhere for me. Um, as far as like people being like, F yeah, the Incredibles too. Like, and showing up in droves, that is not something I thought was going to happen. Like, I figured people would see it because it's a Pixar movie, but like. And because it's like a dearth of family movies out right now. Right, yeah. Uh, But I just really didn't expect it to be. It could also be the superhero thing has evolved. Yeah. A lot in the last 14 years. And enough time has passed Mm -hmm. between Avengers and this yeah. to where families because even though it's not really a family movie a lot of families went to see avengers right what happens when that happens is um and i know there's the other stuff surrounding solo too but something like solo came out too soon after the avengers for yes. families to really want to go and spend 70 80 on a movie yeah and now incredibles 2 kim comes out almost two months after mm. and so there's there's enough time for families to want to spend that 80 yes. bucks also, kids are out of school now. Yes. And also, it's like a guaranteed safe movie for families. Yeah. Like, for younger families, mm-hmm. especially. You, you know, with Solo, you might be rolling the dice a little bit on some mm-hmm. the violence or whatever. Right. Or even Avengers. But now, it's like, okay, this is like literally the definition of safe for kids. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I just... That kind of blindsided me was yeah. the record-breaking stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, do you think it'll win this weekend? It's going up against Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Which Jurassic World is like the third highest opening weekend of all time right. or fifth or something. I don't know what the tracking has been for this one. I have no idea what people think about like what the hype level for Ju- right. Although I had no idea the hype level for Jurassic World was astronomical. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, <laughs> Right. I, I also like don't know how to gather what people thought of the first one because there's some yeah. people who, who actually really like the first yes. one um <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i also feel like the general reaction to the trailer for this one the trailers has been okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, a this lot, is actually I, terrible yeah i think a lot of people really were like this is dumb yeah <laughs> which i don't understand uh, I mean, I do understand why people think it's dumb looking because it looks dumb, but yeah. I don't understand because they were like, hell yeah, Raptor crew yeah. in the first one. This ain't too much further. Like, no. <laughs> This one actually seems a little bit more sensible. Yeah. I mean, I, I know things that happen in this one that don't make it sensible. But, I'm so excited. <laughs> but for the trailers for it have been, all right, well, there's this an explosion on an island, big whoop, you yeah. know, a volcanic eruption. Yeah. Um, how is that any less ridiculous than Brad Pitt or Brad Pitt? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that guy. Um, (laughs) Riding on a motorcycle with a bunch of raptors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. So we'll see what it does this weekend. Uh, We'll be talking about Jurassic World actually, because why would we not? Um, We'll be back next week to talk about that. You're getting three episodes in three weeks. um, Because we have this episode this week. Uh, uh Jurassic World next week mm. and then uh Soldado Brian what is the name of that movie <laughs> Sicario Sicario Day 2 of the Soldado Is that what it is Yeah okay so, aka Hitman colon Day of the Soldier 
Uh-huh. I mean, like, and, okay, just so we're clear, Scarlett's freaking sweet. Yeah, no. Taylor Sheridan is freaking sweet, the writer of these movies. Yeah. Um, terrible title, though. <laughs> yeah. Terrible title. Um, actually, a uh, little bit of audience homework. If you do want to listen to that episode, I would highly recommend going and watching Sicario if you yes. haven't. It's a really good movie that I kind of missed the boat on. Mm. Um, and so I want to spend a good chunk of the next episode talking about it. Not the next episode. That'd be weird to talk about that <laughs> in the Jurassic World episode. But in the uh, in the Sicario episode, talking about the first one. So uh, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's a tough watch. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's intense. It's real intense. It's real good. It's yes. real good. It's really cynical. Uh, it is as nihilistic as a movie as you're about to come across, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about. Um, but th- I think you're going to get the most out of our Sicario 2 yeah. uh, Hitman Boogaloo episode. Yeah. <laughs> Day of the Jurassica. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, different if you If you go and watch the first one, if yeah. you haven't seen it. Um, so do that homework. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a good movie. It's definitely worth your time. Uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve, who I am a noted non-fan of, but actually really love the way he handled this movie. Yeah. Um, and, uh, mainly because it's as hateful as he is. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so do that between, you have two weeks to watch it. It's coming out the 29th. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our, podcast on it will be out sort of the first week of july yeah on that so you have a couple weeks to do it it's um, p- pretty easily available yeah on although any I know to our family audiences not a show or movie you should watch with your kids yeah yeah super r-rated movie yeah like, I mean, not, like not like in terms of the sex but in terms right. of like the violence and the intensity right. yeah and the whole movie is an allegory for sexual assault true <laughs> yes it doesn't like visually yeah no there's no there's not a like rape scene in the movie but it is pretty clear that what is happening to emily blunt's character is yes yes yeah um and that's that's sweet but no but like it tackles it well yeah 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 and it has it just has a lot to say um about other stuff like the drug war and and the way we handle the cartels and you know just the whole situation at the border which is weirdly timely yeah. Um, you know, I obviously not probably the intent, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think in this time, I think this is a prime example of something that in this sort of time where the border is at the forefront of the conversation, mm-hmm. um, it's a movie that can maybe help you parse stuff out or at least get angry <laughs> about yeah. like it can, it, you know, if you're, if you're angry about what's happening, it's a good way to kind of channel it. If you're not, I think it's a, maybe a good way to see something from a perspective that you maybe wouldn't consider necessarily because mm. it's not a particularly heavy-handed movie. No. And it's not directly dealing with anything that's no. in the news about the border right now. Um, but I think, I don't know, I think there's a lot in that movie that would be beneficial to watch in this time yeah. where we're talking about the border a lot. Even, and what I'll say is, is even... Uh, without the the you know we've been talking about the border since trump announced mm. his candidacy because he, he ran on that platform and so i think th- i think it's a good movie to watch regardless of what happens with the situation that's happening at the border now yeah um just in in the age of trump i think it's it's a just a, a really interesting piece um to watch that was weirdly timely because it came out before he announced that he was running or it was the very least was filmed it was written yeah, and it was completed right. before yes. 
you know, he really brought that to the forefront of the political conversation. So um, I like it when movies do that. Mm. I like it when movies are, are like about the thing that is going on in the world without knowing that they are necessarily. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a I think it's a good way to maybe sort of help parse some of it out or at least get you thinking about how you can parse some of that out mm. um, because it didn't come out in a time when it was at the forefront of the conversation. Right. You know, I think, um, I know this podcast has taken kind of a strange turn, but like, I think another one like that is, is like Fruitvale Station, mm-hmm. um, Ryan Coogler's first movie that sort of predates the the Black Lives Matter movement and, and this conversation about police brutality that we've been having the last couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. it came out like three or four years before everything happened with Trayvon Martin which and uh, Eric Garland and Michael Brown. Um, so I think those movies are sort of the best social commentary for stuff that's happening now because they were actually removed from it and they're, they're, they wanted to just kind of tell that story. Right. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Um, so Sicario is a really, really good example of that and you should go watch it before we watch Sicario 2, which is getting really good reviews and it's surprising to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so until next time, that's, that's kind of your homework. Uh, we'll be back with kind of a really fun episode. I, uh, it's going to be an gonna all-star be, episode. It's going to be an all-star episode, yeah. Uh, with a big announcement attached to it. Um, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be real stupid. Um, <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really... It's going to be a torturous two hours in a movie theater. It's going to be a really fun hour of talking about it. Um, so we are doing Jurassic World... Fallen Kingdom, Boogaloo, and uh, day, day of the day, <laughs> day of the dinosaur, um, dinosauro, <laughs> and uh, the episode we did on the first Jurassic World, Mike was not present for. No, but it is my favorite podcast episode I've ever recorded. Mm. It was. I was so furious <laughs> after that movie that it just resulted in excellent podcasting. <laughs> Uh, if yeah, I know. Go ahead. I'll try to live up to the uh, expectations. Yeah, if you've listened to that episode, you should have a pretty big clue about who is uh, gonna be on that episode. Mm. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that, even though I'm not looking forward to what we're about to do to ourselves. Which, Literally, by the way, we're about thir- to do. Yeah, th- we gotta go because we gotta make it to the screening of this stupid movie. Piece of shit. Uh, anyway, do you have anything to plug, Mike? Uh, no. Well, okay. I've talked about my book before. It's on oh, yeah. Amazon. It's called The Aurora War. It's doing okay, but you guys should help it out and spread the word. Spread the word. That's basically the main point. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MJSmith891. I got to do a cool thing where I went to the set of the new season of BattleBots. Sweet. Um, and like as a member of the press... And I did a big write-up about it over at wordofthenerd.com. Uh, thank you to Whale Rock and their PR for uh, having us out. And uh, you should go read my coverage because it's 2,000 words about the BattleBot set. And I spent a long time on it. Uh, it was it was a full day for me. It was, it was, it was eight hours. Um, and I had to travel for it. And uh, I got a lot of cool stuff, I think. I got to introduce, introduce, interview Chris Cowan, who is the executive producer of this new series of BattleBots. Uh... 
His take on BattleBots is really, really interesting. And there's snippets of that interview in my coverage of it. You can find that at wordofthenerd.com. It should be pretty near the homepage. It's a big piece. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you read it. Um, I'll tweet it out and I'll share it on Facebook. But yeah, that's the big thing that I've been working on. Uh, Like I said, the next episode will have kind of a big announcement. And if you follow me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter at MJSmith891. I want to say July 1st, I'm announcing a second big project. And I am in the announcement of these two projects. I am taking on the most ill-advised things I've ever done. And I'm so excited. Uh, it's nothing dangerous. It's nothing, uh, it's nothing bad. It's nothing extreme. It's kind of extreme, but it's nothing that's going to put me to a breaking point. I hope. Um, spelunking. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm going to do a spelunking podcast. <laughs> I'm going to keep on speculating on what it is every episode. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure last episode, base jumping. It wasn't? Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's stupid. It's it's. I mean, it's not like goofy stupid, but it's mm. just a really bad idea that I shouldn't do. And that's the why... The Space Force. You're <laughs> joining the Space Force. <laughs> Nailed it. I did tell my wife that I felt called the military service now. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> anyway... Uh, yeah, so thank you for listening. Um, as always, we're the bad guys. Space Force. Spice! Spice!